Caroline always said I dance like a Muppet. So uh, between you might just be plastic looking like a claymation figure and dancing like a Muppet. Who am I? What am I? Josh, that's what we're here to unlock. (laughs) Maybe I'll figure it out in season three. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Interrogang podcast. It is season three of the Interrogang, if you can believe it. Thanks for joining us. We are very excited to have you here today. This week, after reviewing some favorite font releases from the first two months of the year, we're taking on the maxim, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and asking, is that true for type designers? We'll talk about it. And by we, I mean me, Joshua Dick, along with my good friend, your Intergang co-host, and a man whose ascenders always seem to keep ascending, Kyle Reed. How's it going, Kyle? Great to see you. Ah, very nice. Or it is delightful you. to see you too, Josh. Yes. How are you? Your dulcet tones ring through my headphones. Thank you, Kyle. How was your uh, How was your little Intera, intera break? <laughs> my Intera break was very nice. Um, yeah, kept up with, with the newsletter and uh, watched a lot of releases come through, which I'm so excited to uh, cover, but for the most part, restful and relaxing and uh, excited to be back. When perhaps uh, we took some time to release a annual report and almanac. This is true. A Proof & Co. annual report and almanac that you, gentle listener, could own. Just check out our website to check out our, our big report and almanac chronicling last year's 2022 font releases. Yeah, that was the biggie. So we did... We did do something yeah. <laughs> with our time. We weren't not not doing things. And that's our general state of being. But <laughs> if we're not not doing things, we might as well do a podcast. We are back at it. This is week 9, 2023. And yes, hello, hello, friends and gangsters. It is thrilling to be back in the swing of things for a whole new season of the podcast. Uh, This year, we have so many incredible things planned, including the continuation of this weekly releases dispatch, uh, one of my favorite things that we get to do here. Since we last had the pleasure of beaming to your ears at the end of December, the type world has continued to spin and orbit the sun. In fact, we've already seen more releases from independent foundries in the first two months of this year than in the first two months of last year, a pattern we hope is very telling. We want more releases and we want more fonts. So this is all a good thing. And they do keep coming. We are behind. We got to catch up. (laughs) We're behind. So although I would love nothing more than to go through each and every single one of those new releases that have debuted since January 1st, we don't have that kind of time. So I'm just going to cover five noteworthy superstars and trust you all are subscribed to the weekly newsletter to find out the rest. I've got a Serif, a Sans, a Revival, a Wild Card, and a release from this week, week nine, specifically. So, you ready? Yes, let's go. Awesome. Let's do it. Okay, first up is my favorite Serif, released since the start of the year, and that's got to be Items from Shiktoika. Items is a new contemporary typeface that ties in with the pervasive Serifs of the early digital period, specifically the model of Times New Roman. This type style has been gaining huge popularity among brands and designers in the last few years, and Items seems poised to meet that demand with a very high-quality submission to the genre. Items lances a collection of 39 fonts in total, 
that span condensed, standard, and wide widths, each with that early days of Apple Times New Roman nostalgia vibe. Um, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about here, Josh. When Apple first kind of launched its products, it had this serif that was condensed. Yes, I do. It was technically Garamond, I believe, right. but um, it it established a typographic trope. And a lot of these typefaces these days kind of harking back to that era of tech uh, idealism. It became kind of base. It became kind of the... It's, it's, we know it as the start, yeah. for better or for worse. It was yeah. the beginning digitally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Items does a really good job of, of capturing that feeling. The unexpected star of the Items collection has got to be the three monospace styles that show off the typeface's playful personality. Uh, side note, this is something that I personally hope to see more of this year too, as monospaced serifs. Um, we've seen quite here, a few here. over the last couple of years, but for some reason, I feel like this one's going to be big. So we'll, we'll keep track of that and see what happens. But these monospace styles for in items are particularly interesting. And for items overall, it's particularly ballsy to go after that base idea and say, what if we could do it a little bit better? And that's kind of a, a cool thing to me about items that it it's tackling this idea that we've gotten over that, that there is that negative connotation to mm. the Times New Roman. That just is what it is. Let's let's do the next thing. Right. What's next? It's the West Wing mentality. <laughs> What's next? That's right. The Bartlett uh, mantra. Right. <laughs> All right. So that's the serif option. The sans option for this week was clearly very difficult to choose because there are still so many sans projects coming out every week. But I've dug deep and mustered the gusto required to pick just one. It's Lipo, a new humanist sans serif typeface from Suitcase Type. Lipo is an extensive font family with 63 fonts spanning two axes, nine width proportions from compressed to extended, and seven weight proportions from thin to bold. So we've got weight uh, and we got width as these two very wide spanning axes. And the additional Lipo text family is cool too, a proportional font with a monospace character in seven weights with adequate italics. Built on a humanist mindset, vertically chamfered terminals, and well-adjusted curves, the Lipo families feel contemporary and classic simultaneously. Yes. Lipo feels really good as a variable font, too, I have to say. It's clearly built for this format, it's sliding seamlessly between weights and widths. It's got edge. It's got strength. It's got what it takes to be your New Year's workhorse. Um, so if you're in the market in 2023 for something a little different that you can start to apply uh, liberally, Lipo is probably it. I dig it. And Lipo's got some of that dynamic aspects to it where when you see it, maybe in its more display sense, you kind of see where it doesn't always line up, doesn't always, doesn't always have that symmetry that you're used to. But when you get it mm. down, it just gives it that extra little interest that extra little something that yeah. you don't always get from a sans release that's the to me that was the the real treasure of lipo cool yeah there's a little extra something in there so next we have revivals so i f it feels like we don't get that many revivals released these days it's not a 
in vogue thing to do. Yeah. But Oh No Type Co. Classic released Casserole, a decorative Sans type family, quote, about family, food, and Louis Minot's Davida. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's very fun. A well-documented project, this casserole thing, is the result of years of passionate research, fandom, and uh, drawing gone amok that brings the Davida model to new relevance. Casserole is a display serif collection technically, with decorative tendencies available in six emphatic styles. Sans, Flair, Classic, Black Letter, Script, and the wild one, Lombardic. Yeah, Josh, I think you're going to really like this yes. one. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so, like, of course, it would have these styles, right? It's a very oh-no thing to do. Just expand this model out. But that's why this is our entry for the revival category this week, because... It doesn't just bring the letter forms of Davida into the 21st century. It extends Davida's spirit and design philosophy into all of these different styles. Yeah, black letter, Lombardic. You can just imagine how much fun Ono had doing this. Yeah. Casserole is also really well named, being a total jumble of lettering and type design influences um, like a casserole that prove Ono is still the foundry having the most fun. Ono would be my nominee for the the best overlap of experimental design with usability hmm. everything that ono releases we kind of put in our category of experimental but none of it's really crazy yeah it's fun and usable and exciting while <laughs> being experimental yeah that's the that's the key to ono's success and i think your line about it's having the most fun is spot on yeah i would say some foundries are like theoretical physics but uh, oh no is applied, is applied physics. Applied physics. Yeah. It's really putting the thoughts uh, and, and wild conjectures to to use. I like the idea that someone or uh, some entity that is the applied physics also goes by, oh, no. <laughs> that That's a nuclear disaster waiting to happen. But that's fantastic. We'll leave that behind. <laughs> All right. So the next category to put a spotlight on is the wild card. I thought we needed a wild card here. A category I feel uh, could have been given to a decent handful of releases from the last two months, but I've got to give it to Bast from Lift Type. Bast is a brutal retro throwback with early computer graphics at its heart that shows Lift Type enjoying themselves with this one. Uh, clearly in the vein of the iconic Amelia, released in 1964, Bast brings rigid but playful forms and perfectly circular counters to bear with joy and experimentation. The pressure is off with Bast. Nothing is as history would tell it to be. And the typeface exudes a lighthearted playfulness that's really hard not to smile at. The family is separated into two subfamilies of three fonts each, that's A and B, that have round and squared off terminals respectively. So its serifs are either boxy or circular. It provides a nice variety um, for display uh, purposes. It's easy to love Bast, especially some of the deeper characters in the case, like the ampersand, the barred zero, uh, and the pound signs. It's just, there's some delight there, and uh, Lift Type has done a good job. So all this brings us to our last and final category of what was released this week. This week was a pretty stellar week for releases, boasting alphabets from nearly all genres, but I think Klim Type Foundry's family a modern interpretation of the Benton's famous clear face is worth a good mention. Klim has always been known for extremely well-produced typefaces born of the classics, and family is no different. 
Klim's family, another typeface with a remarkable name, by the way, honestly feels like it's always been out. Like it's something that's already existed for years. An instant classic, I guess. Um, it's got letter forms that follow the clear face model, but feel even more right or correct and simple um, than the originals. It feels friendly and kind and wholesome across all six weights of Roman and italic styles. The clear face model has been a popular thing to design around in the last few years, uh, but Klim's release of family feels like the final word on the matter. Like, I don't know if anybody else wants to release a clear face typeface uh, in the future, but like it would be, I don't know, this is like the, the new stick in, against which it's measured. And Well, wait, let's, let's be clear. So this is the family family? Yes. <laughs> like, that feels pretty clear. Like, that's pretty final if you are yeah. the family yeah. family. <laughs> it's like Mr. and Mrs. Family. Yeah. So I mean, come on. Family, great name, great typeface. Um, I feel like it's just another really iconic release from Klim. And uh, I guess that's it. Phew. Uh, now, uh, it's... I think that that's got to be only about 5% of the incredible type design that we've seen this year so far. Honestly, this has already been a great year for type. Um, and I think it's really going to be a good year ahead. So, um, yeah, excited to, to track it all with you. It's going to be a lot. All right, Kyle, it has become a somewhat bizarre tradition of ours to start each season off with a discussion about success. <laughs> I wonder what that's like. Last year, we talked about the role ego plays in success. Mm -hmm. And in season one, we talked about how much luck factors into success. Yep. So we're going to enter into that arena again. This year, we're going we're gonna to keep that theme going. And we're going to tackle the phrase, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Sure. A phrase I'm sure we've all heard from a very well-meaning friend after you missed out on a job or project that you felt highly qualified for. Because hmm. that's so helpful to hear. But we ask, <laughs> is it true? No. There you go. There. I answered it. So that's it for this week's Interra Gang. Uh, that's good. Obviously, what you know does matter. But the question we're going to tackle is how much with regards to being successful. That's what we're going to pontificate on today. And I have to say, I, I've i always hated that phrase. It it felt, it felt just felt very dismissive of knowledge in general. Uh, and, and I was like, knowledge is power. People are yeah. dumb. Leave me alone. And, <laughs> and <laughs> but obviously it is very true. And the more I thought about it uh, for this episode, I was like, oh, crud. Who you know really does seem to matter a lot. It's, it does seem to have more relevance today more than ever. You know, yeah. having good connections, having a good network. Oh, man. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that is so much of the equation. So I want to do yeah. what we've done the last couple of years. I want to put these on sliders and talk about percentages and talk about Great. in our personal view, what percentage of success can be looked at as coming from who you know versus what you know and i'll start in general in life i think it's 79 percent who you know 21 percent what you know and which i so that's pretty that's a, a wild swing pretty yeah. hefty to clear majority to to who you know much to my mm -hmm. deep chagrin to me it's a matter of 
who you know leads to what you know. It's kind of a, it's a chicken or the egg situation. To me, the reason that it's more is when you have those connections, if you've made the connections, the networks, then that's what opens the door for further experiences, education, uh, projects, you know, whatever, whatever you're aiming for, the door stays closed unless you know the person who can help you wedge it open. You can, I guess, I'm thinking about this right now, I guess you can just know a lot and then that leads you to success and (laughs) then knowing people. That just seems harder. I don't, like, I can't think of... (laughs) It might be rare on that that one, right? You have to really impress. Right. So that just seems harder. Mm -hmm. So that's my answer. My answer is is 79, who you know, 21%, what you know. Let me toss it to you, Kyle. How do you, what do you think? What's your experience? That is, a, that is not what I expected to hear from you, actually, Josh. I think you didn't. I was looking, I thought you would have more of a 50 50 style answer, but I really love your reasoning for that. And to, to kind of jump on, on the back of that, I think your answer speaks a lot to privilege. Sure. Um, acknowledging the fact that, like, you know, a lot of people get ahead or are successful in, in life uh, and specifically in creative careers based on who you know and who you know is a privilege. Who's around you. Um, not everybody has, right, who's been blessed with uh, good good connections. <laughs> there was a, a New York Magazine article that came out at the beginning of this year about Nepo babies. What is this? I don't know this. Oh, sure. It's a, it, I think a kind of a Gen Z term for nepotism babies, people in Hollywood and entertainment that have benefited from having some kind of nepotism connection. Right. Their parents worked in a, in the industry, so they got in. Yes. That's definitely a thing, I think, in the creative industry as well. However, I don't think it's as bad as Hollywood or entertainment. Yes. So I'm actually, I'm close to your answer on this slider, but I'm not all the way at four fifths at eighty percent. Okay, I I'm more at uh, I'm at sixty percent. I went sixty forty. Who you know to what you know. Yeah, I think that's a that's that's pretty reasonable. And I do think you make a, an excellent point. This is very industry specific. Like right now, we're yeah. kind of just saying in general. You're right. Let me tell you, in in acting <laughs> in Hollywood, <laughs> yes, it's like ninety mm-hmm. eight who you know, and 2% how you look. And what you know rarely was, seems to matter. So like, it's totally That's why skewed. I was never able to cut it in LA. I, every time I go to LA, I feel like I, I'm i in the land of people who know other people. When you were there and for pilot season? That's not the season. way I've always done my social. <laughs> yeah, right. For, for pitch season, that's... Uh... <laughs> no, but the, I, I do feel like LA has a little bit more of that. It's who you know. Yeah. While maybe the East Coast or New York side of things they're more what you know i've always found those two cities to be balanced that way right well i think it's worth noting also you and i it like the idea of networking and and connections being like at the heart of success is a little mm-hmm. cringeworthy and i think maybe some of our listeners it's not quite so much so i mean we like people that I, i'm not yeah. saying we like are two hermits doing a <laughs> podcast Though maybe you right. thought so, but <laughs> it it's may not seem true. that way. Yeah. <laughs> but I think if it's like neither of us would love the idea that it's 
it's that LA 98%. You, you got a network and the network is right. everything. Network is all. Uh, network is life. That's not, yeah. that like doesn't sound good to us. But also, I think for some people, it's a, like, it's okay. They like that. So we right. also acknowledge that this is our views on this. And for some people, there's not really mm -hmm. a negative or positive to either side here. It just kind of is what it is. Yeah. In an ideal world, I think if you were to ask me for a slider on what I think it should be, um, as opposed to what it is, I would, yeah, I would let's go there. my answer. I would say 60-40 uh, on what you know versus who you know. Um, I would prefer a industry based on merit, ability, proven uh, desire and ambition, um, not ne even necessarily talent, but just, you know, what's right. your output? Um, be judged on that as opposed to always relying on connections. But um, yeah, I don't think you'd ever get Preach, my all the way to 90, 98% on one of them <laughs> in the creative field. No. And I think my answer for what I would like mm -hmm. to see is exactly what you said, yeah. a total inverse of my right. answer. 79, what you know, 21, who you know, a acknowledging that that's, <laughs> that's not the reality. I crave a, a world where the work speaks for itself mm -hmm. more than perhaps we, we live in now. Yeah, I have a feeling that's a pretty common opinion. I wonder. I, I don't know. I just, I don't know how different, mm -hmm. uh, you know, let us know. If you if you really think yeah. we're we're way off base, let me wait. <laughs> let me bring this back a little bit because we've been talking kind of just general, mm -hmm. you know, Hollywood coastal elites. Let's bring it back. Sure. Let's bring it back to <laughs> type design specifically. Would you move your slider Great. anywhere if you had to answer this question specifically for the for type designers? Kind of in the way that I was saying with with mm. acting it moves to extremes. Is there yeah. somewhere where you would move it for type? Yeah. So I think type is really interesting because it's always been this clustered, small niche industry that um, has been, has rewarded people who have unique eye or style or uh, ability in type. So I actually think in type design specifically, it's flipped for my ideal. Uh, it's closer to what my, my ideal would be. And I think the type industry values people's work technically and on merit more than on who you know. You can rise to the top of uh, the market or you know the, the cultural zeitgeist in type by producing something really great. And you may not know anybody. I think it's more likely that yeah. that's the case. Yeah, it's possible. So uh, I'd probably say even more than a little bit sixty, more than sixty forty. I'd say probably seventy thirty on what you know versus who you know. When it's it's a more skill based industry, yes, and that that exactly. does bring it to. It's harder to just know people and hope that right. that carries you, and you can grab onto some coattails. You, at some point, yeah. you do have to to show off what you know <laughs> uh and that's not that's not true in every industry that's not true in every facet of life but i think you're right that that yeah the community the connections in type are important are a huge part i would assume of everyone who's listening a huge part of their business and day-to-day -day life right but when you're really talking about what brings 
us to success that the the swath of what you know really yeah. carries a lot of weight. Yeah, and I was trying to think more specifically on 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 the who you know, when has that been a benefit in type? Um, and I think there is something to be said for this idea of educational lineage um, or apprenticeship. Some type designers out there worked for other type designers that are pretty legendary and they may have a little bit more clout around their name because of that. Or uh, you, know, you may have had a pretty good pedigree in, in the design world graphic design world, working for a, a high-class firm or agency. Um, so you may have more connections there. Um, I really think it's only important when you're looking for clients or buyers for your type. Um, that's when the network really shows up for you. Everything else is kind of social foo that that doesn't really matter. <laughs> ah, social foo-fa. It's a technical to, term. Look it up. Yeah. Care to define that? <laughs> For us, I don't remember that one. It's ethereal networking jargon. <laughs> oh, oh, foo-fa. Sorry. Foo, yes, I, there I you go. I didn't hear you. Foo, foo-fa. Yeah. <laughs> Not foo-fa. Yeah. But I do think that, um, you know, having a community in type is important, um, but it's not a definer of your success uh, as much as you'd think. Well, let me throw out an example where who you know mattered in type that I can think of. Okay, um, Sure. I would I would venture to say that Proof and Co is entirely built on who you know. For me, mm. I knew Kyle. I did not <laughs> know type. The what I knew was pretty <laughs> near zero. But I knew Kyle <laughs> and he dragged me along and look at me now talking about type knowing a few things. There you go. And so I would venture to say that my success, such that it is these days, uh, mm -hmm. you know, really it mattered who I knew. Just I love that know. interpretation. And I would actually add on to that and say that Proof & Co. is now more about what we know because of the report and the almanac that we just published. Right. right. I feel like we had a, uh, a, a final pivot to, to that side of the slider. Um, because all the data, the analysis, the storylines that we investigated for 2022, they're all out in this report now. And I guess you would you would assume that type our success is tied to what we know more than who we know. But uh, I still think it's a balance. So and again, there's that chicken and the egg. It just it's a matter of what came first. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. But these these are really good sliders to think about. And you know, if I think for all of our listeners out there. It's, you know, put yourself on this slider, def define it for yourself. What is success? And, um, you know, who do you know that can help you either get the word out or help you learn about type? And if that list is very short or non-existent, rest easy because it's actually, I think, more about, um, you know, what you do, what you know, and, and what you're able to put out there in the world. So just start and uh, we'll see, see where things go. So wait, am I the chicken or am I the egg? You might be the egg or the chicken. I don't know. Very helpful. Thank you, Kyle. We'll that keep really clear that, on that one. one. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so, Josh, this being episode one of a completely new season, I thought we would is start it? off. It is. Uh, yeah, start off our thinking for the year in the most optimistic and broad hopes way possible. 
Uh-oh, you know I'm not great at that, but I'll do my best. I'm here, I'm here. I'm uh, it's really just a simple question, and I'd love to do a little fill in the blank here. Um, I love simple questions. Yeah, so I'd like to ask, um, you know, what's a direction you wish to see the type industry head in this year? I think at the end of last year, we did a little bit of a, a wrap-up of, you know, what what was our favorite part about this last year? But I'd like to throw a couple predictions into the the case here at the beginning, here on episode one, and see how it goes. So what's something that okay. you feel uh, you, you would like the type design industry to do this year? Or in other words, in type, 2023 will be the year of blank. So is this what I want or a prediction or a little bit of both or whatever? A little both. You can okay. answer it either or. I think, I think my answer constitute says both so i'll go i'll just i don't know why i asked great yeah um my answer is (laughs) that it will be the year of what's not there and what i mean by that wasn't that deep thank you what i mean by that is i feel and i have no i have no real data i haven't been counting this but i feel like i've seen a lot of experimentation with uh negative space or or removing aspects of glyphs while still maintaining legibility and playing around with that kind of i I remember last year we talked about something about what we wanted to see more of and i think Mm -hmm. my answer was creative stencils so i I think this is kind of extension of that (laughs) it's not quite stencil as a genre but i like the idea that we're going to experiment with how little how few strokes can exist as part of our choice sure. while still maintaining the letter forms is always an experiment I will want to see what people can do with. Interesting. And I, like I feel it. like it's it's where people are headed. I feel people like are kind of playing with that more than yeah. than before. So it is the year of what's not there. Yeah. You want more rests in the music. It's not that you want no notes, I w- but you just want to s- you think it'll you'll want- have more space. I want typographic jazz. Ah, there you it's go. It's the notes now that aren't talking. there. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. I changed. That's it. I had my deep answer. 2023 will be the year of typographic jazz is a better answer. <laughs> Thank you for workshopping that with me. I love it. I think that's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so I think in the in the last year, we saw a lot of... Um, foundries inserting their own takes on standards either a geo sans or a uh, display ser- editorial serif um, and that was pretty expected but it's a way for foundries to kind of cover their butts uh, against changing styles because those are sure. those are are typefaces uh, you know styles that you can have in your catalog that probably won't go out of fashion I think that now that a lot of foundries have covered their butts in this way, they got their butt covers, that we will see a little bit more branching out in terms of individual style. So I'm hoping, this may or may not be a prediction, but in type 2023 will be the year of individualization, of people staking a claim. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, tell, so me, tell me more. I think, um, I mean, this goes back to. Uh, some of the thoughts around infillism, and there's a famous essay on this that I highly encourage you to read. But the typographic map has been flowing out really in two directions, yes. you know, or, or two di- dimensions. Um, you know, it's been a very flat map. 
if there's a new space in the genre um, or space between genres, people have filled those in for the most part. Right. I think we're going to start to grow on a third dimension this year, or at least I hope so, where people are going to have their own takes on the genres and styles that have already been established. So uh, a lot of these uh, dots on the map will start to grow uh, in in different uh, different ways based on the individual's perspective. So I hope we get a lot more perspectives. I hope we get a lot more um, maybe contrarian takes on certain ways of doing things. Um, I think that would be good for this year and and get branch out. Uh, there are so many more people in the industry now. There are so many more foundries. Um, I think it's inevitable that we eventually get some kind of originality going. Um, and we've started to see it a little bit, which is good, but I hope this is the year of even more individualization. So some infillism on infillism. It's not infillism. It's just uh, building upon what's already been infilled, you know? Like, if there's no yes. more ground to grow out, grow up. You grow up. Yeah. And I think that's where we're at. So so this is the year of typographic city planning. Uh, <laughs> whether it's to code or not, we'll still uh, to be TBD. But for the most part, yeah. <laughs> cool. Good, good um, thinking on that one there, Josh. I like where your head's at. Good, and good. We'll see if we're right at the end of the year. I'm sure we won't be. <laughs> I'm sure we won't be. <laughs> That's it for this week's Interrogang. This episode was edited by Andrew Spheris, who also provides most of the original music you hear on our episodes. The music you are listening to right now is Cut It Loose by Max Band. The Interrogang is a production of Proof & Co. Visit our website at proofco.xyz for more type news and to subscribe to our weekly newsletter that chronicles all the activity in independent typography every week. We also have released our first ever annual report and almanac, a data-driven analysis of the world of independent type. You can get yours on our website as well. We can be found on Twitter at proof underscore end underscore co, or you can always drop us a line via email at hello at proofco.xyz. If you have any thoughts on what we discussed in this episode, have any topics you would like to hear discussed on a future Interrogang, or if you know everything but know no one, We'd love to hear from you. If you like what you hear on the Interrogang, please spread the word. Tell your friends about us, please. And if you didn't like what you heard, tell your enemies about us. As always, thanks for being a part of the Interrogang. We will see you next time. Okay, wait. I'm gonna help. I'm gonna help Klim out for a second. Little little PR. We are family. All my bold italics and me. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Okay, thank you. <laughs>